بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل به یقد المکاره و یا من یفتو به حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمس منه المخرج الى روح الفره بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Sahifa Sajjadiyya by Mizan Institute. Alhamdulillah al-awwali bila awwalin kana qablah wal-akhiri bila akhirin yakunu ba'dah alladhi qasurat an ru'yatihi absarun nazirin wa'ajazat an na'atihi awhamul wasifin. Before beginning, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this first episode of this series gives us the power, gives us the tawfiq to be able to cover as much of this book as we can and to benefit as much as possible as well, insha'Allah ta'ala. The first dua of Sahifa Sajjadiyya is the dua titled In Praise of God and it says, وَكَانَ مِن دُعَائِهِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ إِذَا ابْتَدَأَ بِالدُعَاءِ بَدَأَ بِالتَّحْمِيلِ لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ وَالثَّنَاءَ عَلَيْهِ that when the Imam, the fourth Imam, Imam Zain al-Abidin would begin to supplicate, he would begin with praise and laudation of God and then he would say, and the, the dua begins. But the thing is that, what the thing that stands out is that this first dua of Sahifa Sajjadiyya is not really the Imam asking for anything. It is just him praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, speaking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if he is teaching the audience those who are reading his words later, those who are listening to him, teaching them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very interesting. The second dua of Sahifa also is in, is similar in the sense that it has to do with him speaking about the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and his household. You won't really find him doing dua for anything in the sense that asking Allah for something, no. The only thing he asks Allah is to bless and send salawat upon the Holy Prophet sallallahu and his family. Then the third dua, again, it's as if he's teaching something to us, not really doing dua and asking for something. So it's the one that says, the bless, it's him bless, sending blessings upon the bearers of the throne. And then blessing of blessings upon the attesters to the messengers. So the first four duas, in reality, are not him asking for anything. What he's doing there, it's as if, He's making sure that we're all on the same page, so to speak, when it comes to these matters. Then, from the fifth dua onwards, is him actually asking for things, supplicating, teaching us what those things that we're supposed to ask Allah for are. So the fifth dua onwards says, his supplication for himself and the people under his guardianship. Sixth one, his supplication in the morning and evening. Seventh one, his supplication in worrisome tasks, and the list goes on. And of course, Sahifa... Sajjadiyya has translations that brothers and sisters can look at. So, it's very interesting to keep this in mind. They say that Imam Sajjad was teaching through dua and so on. This might be a good example of that. That he is teaching the people in the first four duas, teaching them Islam as if, teaching them some of those things that we need to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about the Holy Prophet and his progeny, the angels, and so on and so forth. And then he gets into the du'as from the fifth one onwards. He gets into those things that he's teaching us 
we should be asking Allah for from dua number five onwards. Okay, having said that, the Imam begins this dua with Alhamdulillah al-awwal bila awwalin kana qabla. He could have just said Alhamdulillah. But he chooses to also add something there describing and explaining to us how Allah is. Alhamdulillah al-awwal all praises due to Allah, the, the first one, Al-Awwal, the first one, who was not preceded by another first one. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala precedes all firsts. Anything and anyone that you can refer to as the first one, Allah precedes that person, that thing, that entity, that creation and creature as well. Okay. In other words, what I'm understanding from this is, Absolute firstness. Absolute firstness. Because sometimes you are first, but you're relatively first. So for example, for example, you will have a category that you're first at. But there's another category that came before you that there were others who were first at. So for example, let's say, I don't know, let's take sports for example. Um, right now, let's say there are certain players out there that are the best at something. They're the first, they're the first, they're at the top of the list when it comes to three-point shooting. Okay, if a person like Steph Curry is number one, the first, the best at shooting, well, before him, there was another era that had very good shooters too, and those shooters were the first in their era. Before them, there were firsts in, in other eras, and so on. You might be the first human being like Prophet Adam, but it doesn't mean that there weren't creatures necessarily before you that came before you that were the first of, let's say, I don't know, dinosaurs, let's say. The first of another species, whatever. Anytime you look at a mumkinul wujud, a, a, a contingent being that is a creature of God, you will be able to probably find something before it that's also first. Okay, so these are relative firsts. This is relative firstness, let's say. But sometimes you are going to be the first of the first of the first. Meaning what? Meaning you are the first in absolutely everything. Anything you can think of, this person is going to be the first in that. This is absolute firstness. And so scholars have explained that absolute firstness is going to be the result of you being the cause of all causes. You being the wajibul wujud. You being the one who, for whom wujud and existence is necessary philosophically speaking. Now, I don't want to get too philosophical in this first episode of ours, but all in all, you are the one who has, is the cre creator of everything else. Even the creator of matter itself. And with matter comes time. So in other words, you are beyond time even because you are the creator of everything. You are the absolute cause and of everything as they say. So just to let that sink in a little bit easier, let me give an example with normal everyday causes, not the cause of all causes, but everyday causes. Let's say turning the light on. If I want to turn the light on, I have to flip the switch first, correct? You see, I said you have to flip the switch first. So there has to be a firstness here. Something has to precede something else or else it won't be possible. The light cannot turn on without me having flipped the switch first. Now, of course, this example that I'm giving is in the plane of material existence, of course, yeah, where there will be time as well. 
And so first I have to flip the switch. And after I flip the switch, the light turns on. This is just a very simple example here. What I'm trying to illustrate is that something has to precede something else if it's going to be its cause. Light turning on, effect. Flipping its switch, cause. This has to come before. It's not possible for the effect to come first. Now let's go back to our discussion. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, philosophically speaking, is the cause of all causes, is the cause of everything, even the cause of matter, cause of time and all of that, He's going to be before everything for sure. Just like flipping the light switch came before the light turning on. But it's even more than that because that is in the plane of time. It's in the plane of, of material and matter. We're talking about God here. So God is going to be before anything else. Not because necessarily on the timeline of things he's the first thing, but no, he's beyond all of that. And so he is the first of the first. And we have this in the Quran as well. We have this idea in other literature as well. It's not like just in this dua we'll have this. The fact that Allah is the first one. He is the one who after which everything begins. And so we also have this idea, and that's where Imam Sajjad also he says, That Allah is the first of all firsts to the point where there is no other first, even relatively speaking, before Him. Not only that, but He is the last, after which there is no last that you can think of. So the same explanation that was given, I think, applies here as well. That relatively speaking, sometimes you might be the last of something. But after you, there's another category of things that someone else is going to be the last of, you know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like this. It's not like he's going to be the last of something after which there might be some other lasts as well. No, no, no. He is absolute lastness as well. And the reason for this will be the same reason again that we had for firstness. Why was Allah the first of all firsts before which there was no first? Because he is the cause of all causes. He is illatul ilal. If he is illatul ilal, then he is also going to be the last of the last after which there is no last. Because it is impossible for the effect of something to exist, but for its cause not to be there. Now we're not talking about normal causes and effects here. Yes, you can have an effect in this normal life of ours, in this dunya, in this material realm of existence, you can have something that exists after it has been brought into existence by its cause, and then the cause ceases to exist. So for example, it's possible in this life to have a table that is made by a carpenter. After the carpenter makes the table, the carpenter dies, ceases to exist, but the table is still there, right? This is possible in this realm of existence, but when we're talking about philosophical causality and cause in this context, meaning that which gives existence, not shapes and forms. A carpenter gives shape and form to the wood that already exists. So he's not the philosophical cause of the table. That's the difference. When we're talking in the context of philosophy and cause of all causes, the cause that gives existence, not just form and shape and appearance to things, but gives, and I'm speaking in very layman's terms here, by the way, um, we're talking when we're talking about the cause that gives actual existence to things, that 
cause has to always be there for the effect to be there. The moment the effect, the cause is not there anymore, the effect will also cease to exist. In other words, the effect can never be independent of its cause. When we're talking about causes in the philosophical context, an example for that will be a wave that is made up of water. Of course, waves are made of water. Can there be a wave? The cause of a wave is what? Is water. Can there be a wave without there being water? No, there cannot be. And so if water ceases to exist, the wave will also cease to exist. Okay, This is just an example. A better example, maybe, is the images that we can sometimes have in our mind and imagination. All right, so if you close your eyes, you think of an apple. Yes, the picture of an apple will come to your mind. Usually it's going to be a red apple. For me personally, if I think of apple, it'll be a red one. I don't know, maybe there are people out there who they think of apple, a green one comes. But whatever the color is, the apple, the image of the apple comes to mind, correct? All right. If I open my eyes, stop thinking about the apple, look at, uh, re start reading a book, talk, start speaking to somebody, automatically that image that I had in mind ceases to exist. Why? Because I stopped giving it existence in my mind. Okay, so these are just examples I'm trying to use to illustrate, to explain how it works when it comes to the cause of causes. It's different than just the carpenter and the table. So, the effect when it comes to the philosophical cause of things, the effect can never exist without the cause also simultaneously existing. As a result, when the Imam here says, وَالْآخِرُ he is the last after which there is no last. He is the ultimate absolute last. Because the reason for this is because everything else is the philosophical effect of Allah, which is the philosophical cause of everything, the one that's giving existence to everything. Allah cannot cease to exist and then have something else still existing after him. He cannot be the last after which there is another last thing. No, everything, if you can call it a thing, has to be before him. He has to be the last one. Before meaning has to be there simultaneously with him, simultaneously with him. Or else, if we can imagine a time that Allah is not there anymore, but there's something else that comes after him that is the last thing, then we have assumed that that thing is independent in its existence. And that goes against God being God. That goes against God being the cause of all causes. That goes against God being the, the one that gives existence to everything. If Allah is the one who gives existence to everything, nothing can, can come after Him, can remain after Him. Because that means that thing is independent. And that will by in turn mean that that thing was not the actual effect of God. Because if it was the actual effect of God, it was getting its existence from Him. Okay, I hope that is clear. I know I repeated a little bit. just want to make sure that we're able to get a good grasp of this notion here. Because this is one that, as I said, is repeated in our du'as. is also mentioned in the Qur'an. al-awwal, He is the first. Wal-akhir, He is the last. Now, I do want to open a little parenthesis here as well in extra explanation. It seems that when we have this type of literature... All in all, it is going to be metaphorical. Just calling Allah the first, calling Allah the last, is just a way of saying it so that us people can understand it. Or else, 
even these words, using them for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, are metaphorical, it seems. They're not very a very accurate way of depicting God. Now, I'm not trying to say that the Imams or the Qur'an, they're not doing it in the in a correct way. No, no, no. I'm saying the Qur'an, the Imams, they have no other words to work with that we can relate to, that we can understand other than these words that you know that they have used okay but in reality if we're to break it down is it even correct to call allah first is it even correct to call allah last not really why because when you say something is first you are assuming that there are others that are at the same level of that thing but one just so happens to have been first Versus the others. In other words, you're assuming that firstness is possible for those other things as well. But when we look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's not the case. When we say Allah is first, it doesn't mean He is first while there's a possibility others could have been first. No, 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 no. When we say first, that means that there's no one else up there with Him. And so this is where firstness actually takes on a metaphorical meaning versus us taking it literal here. You see, we are trying to actually elevate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more by saying that firstness, using firstness for Him is accurate. It's not accurate. Because when you say there were five people running in a, in a race and one of them made it and one of them got first place, which, what you're saying that is that it, there was a possibility that the other ones could have gotten first. There's a possibility that the guy who got first place could have actually fallen. And then the other guy next to him that was running would have gotten first. Who knows? There's all these possibilities. There's always a possibility for others to get first place. And that's why races even take place. Competitions even take place. The Olympics are held every four years. Why? Because we want to see who's going to get first place this time. It's possible. All of them can get you know, first place with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Come on, like this discussion, this conversation <laughs> is not even applicable. So, if we say Allah is first, Allah is last, these words are being used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a person like me to understand how great He is, or else first and last implies possibility of firstness and lastness for others as well. While this is not the case with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with Allah, He is the one and only finished. If, uh, if, if I want you to imagine if there's a race but there's only one person racing and that person reaches the finish line let's say we say oh great great job you got first place people will laugh at us they'll say you can't call this person first and you can't give them first place because there was no one else running against them <laughs> with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no one there next to him for us to even call him first compared to the rest or last compared to the rest and so these terms are used, these, this wording is used sometimes for us to understand, kind of get an idea of how great He is. But in reality, all of this is metaphorical. And the Qur'an does mention this as well. It says, Subhanallahi amma yasifoon illa ibadallahil mukhlasin." That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more immaculate, is higher than that which they ascribe to Him. Except... Those chosen servants of Allah. If they ascribe something to Allah, they know what they're talking about. Now here, our the commentators uh, or the mufassirin of the Qur'an, they've explained, 
It's not just the bad things that people ascribe to God that verses like these are saying that uh, these people don't know what they're talking about. And they're ascribing to Allah something that Allah is higher than that. It's not just bad things. Even when we ascribe good things to Allah, we're not totally understanding what we're saying. If we're saying God is powerful, we have an understanding of power. And then we're saying, okay, God has the highest level of that. No, even our understanding of power is limited. Allah's power is beyond that understanding even. Allah is higher than even the good things we attribute to Him. Because our understanding of those good notions are limited, are flawed and deficient. Anyway, so the point I'm trying to make here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we call Him Al-Awwal, the first, well, it's because we don't have any other word to use. The last, because we don't have any other, other word to use. Or else even saying first and last is a problem. Allah is higher than that. Because when you say first and last, it implies that there's somebody else out there that he is overtaking, that he is preceding, and that's why he's first. There is someone out there that Allah is after, which makes him the last of the last. No, 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 no. When we say he's the first, he's the last, before which there is no first, after which there is no last, what is being said is that he is above and beyond all of this. He is too immaculate to even be in the same sentence as anything else. I'm going to leave this inshallah for our next session. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.